0: This is MindSpeak. Everything you thought you knew about health is about to be turned on its head. I'm Holly Higgins, a nutritional therapy practitioner, and I'm here to show you how your mind can heal your body, your body can heal your mind, and no matter what you've been told, you are in the driver's seat of your life. Let's go. Welcome back to the second episode in the Get Your Ish Together mini-series. Today we are talking all about money, 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 money. But before we do that, I wanted to remind you that I am still taking applications for my nutrition and mindset program, Whole Mind Redesign. We kick off... January 21st, this is a small group coaching program for women who struggle with mood issues, digestive troubles, uh, stubborn weight gain, brain fog, fatigue, generally feeling meh and feeling like there has got to be another way to the madness. So if that sounds like you Head on over to wholemindredesign.com to learn more about the program and to apply if it sounds like a good fit for you. I have three spaces left at this point. So kind of down to the wire on getting a spot in the program if you want it. If you go to wholemindredesign.com and there is still a button that says apply for a clarity call, that means there is still a space left. So if it sounds like a fit for you, I would love to hear from you and get your application, but let's jump right into the show and talk to Darcy about money. Here we go. Welcome back to the Get Your Ish Together series. Today we are talking about getting your ish together with money because when you get your financial house in order, This can have a ripple effect and this can transform all other areas of your life, including your physical health, your mental health. Sometimes finances are a gateway, a door, a portal to larger transformation for people. And they're a very, very important thing for our health because if we have a lot of financial stress, that can just drag us down. In all areas so I'm very very passionate about financial health and I am so honored to have an amazing guest with us today we have Darcy from Green Bites Project Um, Darcy is somebody that I adore personally and I love everything that she's doing professionally helping people manage their money and create rich full amazing lives so Darcy welcome to the
1: show Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here, and it's, this is going to be such a great conversation.
0: Yes, I agree. Darcy, can you
1: tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, who you serve, all that good jazz? Sure. So I run a financial coaching firm called Green Bites Project. It's a benefit corporation. So every day I work with women on their finances. We work through their financial plan, figuring out what kind of dreams and goals they have, how money fits into that. And really just from there, create a plan for budgeting, savings, debt, talking a little bit about investing and working on really changing and transforming their financial habits over months, maybe even longer in order to make sure that they're really set up with this so incredibly important lifelong skill that is called money. Yes. And it's such an
0: important skill. And I wish that we were all more educated about this skill because I took a lot of complicated math classes in in Mm -hmm. high school, (laughs) but I never really, nobody really ever sat me down and told me how to work with my money. And I know I personally for a long time had a lot of financial struggles until I learned how to manage my money. And that leads to my next question for you, which is, how did you get into this line of work? Were you always passionate about financial health, always good with your money, or did you have a little bit of a rocky journey with money too?
1: Oh, definitely a rocky journey with money. Check, check, check. (laughs) What I would say is that I was always really passionate about money. I mean, I remember spending so much time counting my money When I was a kid, I had a paper route, Um, I was in like this orange shag carpet that we had, the quarters would get kind of lost because the carpeting was so, so thick. But (laughs) I always loved the idea of having money and I think I always put on a good air that I knew something about money, which is really quite odd because like you said, I think a lot of us don't really know how to manage money or there's um, like this expectation almost that you should just know how to do it. Like it's almost like you should know how to do it, like just like breathing, right? Yeah. Um, But it was something that I would say I really struggled with through probably until I was about 29, 30 or so, um, because I could never really quite get a handle on my debt. And like looking back now, I can see the mistakes that I made or how I didn't budget for my really old Kind of crappy car that was always breaking down, which put me into debt. Um, I didn't really understand what it meant to even pay it down or save. And a lot, I'm sure, like a lot of your listeners, some of the earlier memories that I have with money is just my mom crying on the floor about it. Mm. And as a kid, you feel very helpless of what can I do. And I think it, you tend to go in one of two different directions when you have an experience like that. You, we can talk about that a little bit later. But as far as how I got into this, I like there's a very long story associated with it. But essentially, when I was newly married, and I woke up one morning, realized that between my student loan debt from graduate business school, from an auto loan that I had, and our new house, we had about $220,000 in debt. And I know most people don't include their mortgage into their total debt, but for some reason, I did that morning, which was. I think in retrospect, a really good thing. And from there, I just started taking on everything about finances, learning everything that I could. I followed the Dave Ramsey program at that time. And we, it took us about 11 months to get out of student loan and credit card debt, or sorry, not credit card debt, student loan and car loan debt. And then from there, we just kept saving and investing um, until we eventually hit financial independence in our 30s. I know we'll talk about that a little bit more, but the thing that kind of got me into this line of work of financial coaching, it was through a mutual friend that I ended up helping with her finances. And it was so much fun for me to help her with redoing her budget, moving some bills around, how, seeing how she was paying off debt. And I vividly remember sitting, um, I was painting one day, painting some walls, and I was getting a text from her about all the changes that they were starting to make in their lives beyond just the money. They were suddenly starting to talk about getting married and moving out of this apartment that they hated. Then it felt like their entire world was opening up once they started to see the changes that they'd always wanted in their finances. And I remember seeing that text, going back to painting and thinking, man, this stuff kind of changes people's lives. And by just some kind of I don't know, maybe it was meant to be, but I saw an ad for being a Dave Ramsey financial coach. I signed up for that training and the rest is history. That's pretty much what kicked off my entire journey with running Green Bites Project. Uh That's
0: amazing. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning of the episode, and I know we're going to dive into this more, which is this can be a portal door to radical transformation. Like it's not just about the money. And if it's just about the money, that's kind of boring. It's like, Mm -hmm. what does getting your money in order enable you to do with your life? And that's why it's exciting for me. I mean, for me, it started with food. That was the number one door. And then money was the number two door. And then I just kept snowballing these massive changes in my life and that's what's so exciting about it and and thank you for sharing that and you're just you're just the perfect person to assist and guide on this transformation because not only because of your business background but now because of all of this additional training and education you have particularly around finances and your own financial success at a young age you know even though you know you and your family it's not like you're you have these baller careers and you're like Rolling in all this dough, you just made really smart decisions so that you're very, very well set up for the future. So I love that. And moving into the next topic of discussion. Like I just said, I think for a lot of people, including myself, that financial wellness piece is a cornerstone to mental and physical health. Because if you're constantly stuck in survival mode or freak out mode, you know, just like with your mom crying on the shag carpet, I had shag carpet too, the orange shag carpet. <laughs> if you're constantly stuck in that survival mode or fear mode, it's really hard to self-actualize and build a life that excites you. So can you talk a a little bit about what's been possible for either you or some of your clients by creating financial literacy and wellness? What doors have opened for you or your clients, if you wanna give a few examples?
1: Yeah. First, I'll talk a little bit about my clients. Some of the things that I've seen them been, be able to do is they're buying homes, they're having babies, they're going back to school because they always felt like they needed to get their money together before they could actually go on and invest in, in themselves. Um, I'm seeing so much more activity around general joyful activities to them. Like One of my clients, she set up a painting table in her living room because it's something that she really, really loves to do. And when she was feeling so constricted by money, she just sort of put all of those things that she really enjoyed completely on the shelf. Mm. Um, It was almost like punishing yourself even more, not only financially, but also emotionally, because you're not quite in the place that you want to be in. Mm. Yeah. It's been amazing to see how people start to talk a lot more about their lives. And it it almost, I don't know, the the easiest expression that I could show you is that it opens doors in ways and you start to kind of approach your life completely differently because of the control. And and one of the things that a lot of my clients say to me is that I want to feel like work is a choice and not a requirement. When you have that that requirement or even like that control of like, I've got to go to work. I've got to pay the bills. I've got to do all of this. Then where's the room for you to be thinking so much more about what do I really want out of my life?
0: Right. Because otherwise you're just on the hamster wheel and you're Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to be on this hamster wheel, but I don't have any other choice. I know when I had my big epiphany about money, I was in a job that was causing me so much stress. I mean, I was coming home from work every day and just crying myself to sleep, literally. Mm -hmm. Um, And I realized I couldn't quit because I couldn't quit. And I couldn't afford to take a lower paying job that might be less stressful because we literally couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were trapped. Yeah. Trapped on that hamster wheel. And I know it myself and I know it from people that I work with that financial stress can be absolutely debilitating. And I talk with so many people. And like I said, I used to be here myself. Who, you know, maybe we have this epiphany or this wake up call around money and like, oh my gosh, I need to get this part of my life in order. But they have no idea where to start. They're afraid to even look at their bank account. I used to do the like hands over my eyes, thumbs in my ears, la 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 approach with money (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I was so afraid and ashamed of my bank account. Um, And there's just a ton of shame and and confusion and feeling like they don't have the skills. So for somebody who's living in this state of overwhelm and shame and probably debt, what are the first steps that you usually walk people through to creating a better relationship with money?
1: Yeah, this is such a difficult one because I think it depends on what your spectrum is of how severe or how triggering money feels to you. And so for some of my clients, sometimes it's just that first step is let's make a phone call that we've been waiting to make and have, you know, been kind of procrastinating on it. Um, for most of my clients though, I would say some of the first steps are facing it. And you do that through tracking your expenses. And I know tracking has such a bad, bad rep when it comes to like, you kind of think that you almost will become obsessive about tracking or something like that. Or it, it, you know what I mean? It, it kind of goes to like a scarcity place when you're tracking, but having intel on your own financial behaviors without judgment, just the facts of this is how much I spend on groceries. This is how much I'm actually bringing in and what do I actually have left, if anything, at the end of each pay period or each month. And I I know that it seems very, very overwhelming to think about what your next step should be. And I think what I would ask your listeners to think about is if you were just to ask yourself, what feels like the, next right step there might be something that comes up for you mm. and you know we can give you guidance on make the phone call track um, it could just be as simple as trying also to put together a budget which I know is kind of hit or miss um, because it's it's hard to put together a budget it actually really is or even just educating yourself around um How do I put together a better budget? And and I would also say, too, even journaling on why do I feel this way or talking to somebody? Because I think, like with a lot of things, the, the difficult thing about money is that if you were to learn a brand new skill, like photography, for example, or you really wanted to know how to quilt something, I don't know anything about quilting, but if I wanted to learn how to quilt, You would have zero emotional attachment to your ability to learn. You wouldn't be so hard on yourself if you immediately failed, generally speaking. But because money is such a deeply rooted thing, you have memories of how your family felt about money. Maybe they talked about it. Maybe they didn't. And if they did talk about it, it was probably really, really negative. If you were to learn that completely brand new skill, you would learn so much faster because you wouldn't have the emotional attachment involved with it. And it's probably a lot like health too, I would imagine. Totally.
0: Um, Totally. See the same exact patterns and trends.
1: Yeah. And so I would encourage people why I think journaling and talking to somebody about money is that I think it takes away some of the power with money and that it allows you to make more progress because you start to see it more as these are just some numbers. I have some income coming in Obviously, I have some expenses that are somehow getting paid on a monthly basis. Once you start to look at that information a little bit more, it makes you feel like you have more control over the situation. And when you feel like you have more control over the situation, it makes you more eager to continue to learn about it.
0: Ah, I love that. And I love what you said about becoming sort of emotionally detached and just looking at money as neutral. It's, it's numbers. It doesn't say anything about your inherent worthiness as a person. Um, You know, those are stories that we create in our minds. And, you know, most of us have a ton of baggage around money from just growing up and being in the society period. I mean, all of us at one point in time, whether it was from our family or something that we heard in the news, we've all heard that money is the root of all evil. Money doesn't grow on trees. I mean, we have so many negative stories about money, which when you strip away those stories, it really is a neutral tool that you can use to transform your life. And you can use money to do a lot of good in the world. So I love what you said about journaling, talking to somebody, stripping away the stories so that it can be this neutral substance. Just like if you were to start quilting, you're not going to be upset at yourself that you're not this master quilter. And I see the exact same thing happened with food where it's like, oh, you know, if I slipped up and I ate a cookie on day three of trying to be healthy, this just means I'm not cut out to be a healthy person. Right. Yeah. Those stories and, and, and that shame spiral is actually what keeps people from making progress on their habits. And that leads right into my next question, which is when it comes to a better relationship with money, I was going to ask you, what are the biggest things that you see standing in people's way? So is it fear? Is it time? Is it a genuine lack of resources? Is it these limiting beliefs and stories that we just talked about? What are the patterns that you see?
1: I think it's all of the above and it's just like health. Um, I remember putting posts out on my Instagram feed about which one do you have a more difficult time with, health or money? And it was pretty split hopefully you weren't in the poll because you obviously would have said you. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been biased. I think when I say those
0: things, like I try not to vote because I don't want to skew your data.
1: (laughs) Like I know too much. Um, But I do think that it, it can be a number of things and I've seen it done so many different ways. In some cases, you do need more income and more income solves so many of your problems. And I know that's easier said than done. But in other times, it's that going back to what you were saying about how debilitating it can be, that I have people that just don't, it's very triggering to talk about money. You just even mentioned the word money. It immediately brings on stress. And I've actually um, had different conversations and done surveys, and that's exactly what people say about that. Um, and then I think what you were saying too about limiting beliefs of building wealth is bad or... I'm not good with money. I'm bad at money. Or you know, every time I get something, it just slips through my hands. I'm not cut out for this. I think you've got to really focus on what it is that you're telling yourself. In the same way that if you were trying to tackle anything else in your life and take out that emotional attachment to money, Um, and I I think it also makes money really difficult too. If you subscribe to the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, when you think about that pyramid money is in every single one of those foundations from whether it's the love and the esteem, certainly in self-actualization, because you can do more things like you were just saying, but it's also the security side too of I'm behind on my rent, or I don't know how I'm going to make it for the next 10 years doing this day in and day out, or am I going to eat you know, what am I going to live on when I'm 70 years of age? Health insurance. There there are so much. And I, I think the more you can really just ask yourself, what are those things that are driving the way that I feel about money? Because I'll tell you that every single client of mine that I've worked with that, that honestly has had the guts to work on their finances with somebody else. So it's, I think that's also a whole nother level of, let me talk to somebody about money and, and have someone else help me and see my personal financial situation in a much different light. But when you're able to, I don't know, just get outside of that, it just helps you figure out how you can actually make some progress with that.
0: gah such great points. And, and yeah, like entering a coaching relationship, whether it's with money or health or whatever, you're right. It absolutely takes that level, level of vulnerability. And like, not only am I going to like peel back the covers and look at my ugly mess, but I'm going to share my ugly
1: mess with somebody else. <laughs> yeah. It's embarrassing. I mean, it can be embarrassing. And, and the first thing I would say is that I feel like I've seen it all. So nothing really phases me, but I'll tell you that the that i tell everybody this is going to take a few months for us to work through this and i just need you to trust the process because if i can get people out of truly truly living behind paycheck to paycheck or negative when payday hits that kind of thing that this is going to work out for you and this the relief that they have the breathing room that they have from just starting to make the changes so they're not necessarily even out of debt yet they don't even have the three-month emergency fund set up. Maybe we're still working on $1,000, but just the idea that they have a plan and they know where they're going for the next few months, the next few years, a couple decades, and just knowing that they actually have that wealth inside of them is the thing that gives them the relief. So it's, it's the funniest thing, but this is actually, I think, I personally think this is easier than health for some reason <laughs> because- When I think of money and how it does buy options, it immediately puts me into, okay, I wanna spend money where I can feel intentional, where I can kind of have that control, that autonomy over my life, in a way that health is a little bit of a different animal altogether. But when you just get yourself a plan, again, sounds easier said than done, but if you were to sit down and think through, okay, when is my debt going to be paid off? Because for a lot of us, you probably, if you have a car loan, for example, you know when that last pay date's going to be of making payments on that. You could use that as your benchmark of, okay, let's just say I keep going with this. Five years from now, I'm going to be out of debt. I'm going to use that money just to invest. That plan right there, very, very simple, as simple as it sounds, is something that will give you that immediate relief that you're looking for. And help you sort of get out of the all that chatter that you have in your head about the limiting beliefs or um, the fear procrastination around money.
0: Ah, oh, I love that. And the the phrase that I like to use for it is is pulling your head out of the sand because it's when your head is in the sand and you don't have that intel about money and you don't have the intel, you don't have the data, you don't know how much you're actually spending or saving or how much your bills actually cost altogether. That's when your head is in the sand and you're kind of like in that la, 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 la mode that I talked about. Mm -hmm. And that's where you give all of your negative stories the power. See, this is just proof that I don't have control over my money and that I'm a big screw up when it comes to money. But when you peel back the covers, when you pull your head out of the sand and you just get that data, even if that data is ugly then you can make, you can start to make that plan like you talked about. And then you can breathe a sigh of relief simply because your head's not down in the sand where you can't breathe. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) So true. Yeah. And I think another part of that too is you want to make sure that your spending is aligned to what you actually value. So one of my clients that I was just meeting with about a week ago, she did her first month of tracking in the month of November. She's like, so what's the big deal about this? (laughs) After we did all this work. (laughs) And I said, well, like, let's go back and actually look at November. Let's look at, you know, one of the complaints that you said is that I have no money at the end of the month. So let's actually review where you spent your money. And so after looking at it, we realized that between dining out and groceries, she was spending almost half of her income right there. And so any other, and that's not to say it's right or wrong, because the first question I asked her was, is that where you want to be spending your money? Because some people love to dine out. Like it's their thing. It's their hobby. They live for it. But as it turns out for her, she really wanted to travel. There were so many other things that she wanted to do. Having that data helped her understand like, oh, that's why this is so much more helpful because I want to know. And I want to feel like I can actually do the things that I really want to do.
0: I love what you said about our spending. Sometimes our spending can unconsciously reflect our values um, yes. or our priorities. Usually it does. I always tell people, if you want to know what your values are, go look at your bank account. But when we can get intentional about where we're spending and spending aligned with our values, that's so powerful. And and I'll tell you, Darcy, and you could probably guess this about me. Um, whole foods gets a lot of my money, Mm -hmm. but I want whole foods to get a lot of my money because I value really high quality food and, and, um, having expensive kombucha. Like I value that and, and I don't buy like as many clothes as a lot of people Mm -hmm. do because I don't value that as much. And the difference is that I'm very conscious and deliberate about that decision. Whereas before I was just blowing all my dough and I didn't know where any of it went.
1: Right. And it goes really fast if you're not paying attention to it. Fifteen dollars here, fifty dollars there. And I think if you have those couple areas that you just love to spend money on and let go of everything else, that's where you start to also improve your relationship with money too. Because you could say debt's the most important thing for me is getting out of debt. Or for me, my our personal journey was I want financial independence. That's where I chose to spend my money through investing. Mm-hmm. For other people it's it's totally travel it's gifts it's you know all my clients are so so different it's kids' activities for some of them, and I think if you at least feel like you have some say in that, it just makes you feel so much better too,
0: yeah, because you feel like you have power and control and agency, and that's the opposite of how a lot of us feel about money. We have no agency, we have no control we're just a slave to it we're just trying to get more and like like keep up with that hamster wheel but when you can get off the hamster wheel and be deliberate and intentional it it actually i can't believe i'm saying this money can be kind of fun yes
1: it can be it it can be but it should be boring mm. that's what i would really want to encourage people um i know like with some of my clients that's our goal is we're going to make a very boring financial life for you <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It sounds funny, but think about how, it, where they were though. They had so much stress, so much anxiety about money, didn't know where they were going. And for this all this chatter to completely go away, they know that they're on a plan. It's just it, it, boring is good in this particular case. You just want this stuff running in the background so that way it continues to buy you options for your future. <sighs> it's that emotional non-attachment
0: that we were talking about when you're talking about it being boring and I guess the difference is that the non-attachment and just having the data and having it run in the background like that excites me like that is fun and I think it is it the <laughs> same for you too or are you just like
1: truly bored by all of this? I'm, I'm a little bored by it just because it's something that it just runs in the background for me if I need money we pull out of the savings we have a much different setup than I think a lot of people do but it's it's just something that's there. I still track my expenses. I've been tracking my expenses since 2011, so I'm coming up on my nine-year anniversary of doing that, and I still do it because let's take the holiday season for example. I um, save every single month in a variety of what are called sinking funds, which essentially is you sort of break out these big expenses that you have throughout a year, or maybe it's a multi-year goal, and you set aside just a little bit of money to help you slowly hit that goal. So one of mine, this is going to sound really expensive and extravagant, but we spend about $1,200 on the holiday season. And I know that sounds like a lot of money, but for a lot of people to absorb that within one given month, the same month that your car needs to be taken into the shop, or you have you know, a lot of other things going on, maybe you have a vacation or you have to travel to see family throughout the Christmas season. Having this money and knowing that I can go out and spend that I can have my kids go get the photos with, you know, with our photographer for special Christmas photos, which I know sounds fancy, (laughs) but all those things allows you to have a much better relationship with money. So I I guess that's why I just kind of say like, I just set it up. I forget about it and I move on. The thing that I really love about what I do is that the money allows people to be so much more strategic they can be creative with their finances, they can make life changes because of their finances once they have this information. And I think that's where the excitement comes in for me with this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just that spending without guilt. It's like, you know, it's there, you know, it's already accounted for. You don't know what, what rabbit hat you're going to have to pull it out of or what credit card you're going to have to put it on. It's just there. And that's so, Mm -hmm.
1: that's so reassuring. And if we don't spend it, it's fine. And I also want to say too that it's on experiences for lights and all that. We actually don't spend very many, very much money on gifts. Just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: We, we've we started implementing a no gift thing for the holidays too just because we found it's gifts awesome. were so stressful. But for some people, some people love that. And, and gifts like bring them so much joy and they love doing it. I found um, we have this little agreement throughout, you know, Me and my husband, and then his side of the family. We just get together, make a really good meal. You know, we get the kids some things, but like we don't do gifts anymore, and it's such a relief.
1: You could do a whole episode on why gift giving is so stressful for us holidays. But for you're right, there are some people that love gifts. That's their love language, Um, and my mother in law is very much like that. And so while we don't exchange gifts, we look for other ways to add in that element of surprise for her. If it's even not a physical gift. That's so
0: important. It's I think it's my mother-in-law's love language too and I think she might be a little bit sad that we don't do the gift thing anymore. <laughs> but but you're you brought up a really good point. I need to look for other ways to support that love language of hers while right. still keeping all of
1: us happy. I, that's a really good point. It's the same thing, right? Like mine is acts of service and and I feel like there are so many ways to show that without necessarily having it to be you know that direct thing. Or our mother-in-law's listening. (laughs) I don't think mine is. (laughs) I I don't know if yours is. Mine is wonderful.
0: (laughs) So is mine. She's she's lovely. I love her so much.
1: (laughs) You produce my husband.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly, which is the ultimate Mm -hmm. gift. The ultimate gift. Oh my goodness. So Darcy, how can we make money management something that we look forward to if we think that we're not a quote unquote numbers person, or if, you know, right now we find numbers or finances intimidating, how can we start to make that something that we look forward
1: to? I would make it automatic, as automatic as you possibly can. So through automatic tracking, setting up even, you know, bumping up the percentage that you that you contribute to your 401k or through an employer sponsored plan at work through just increasing those means of how you can sort of get the decisions about money out of your life is one of the best things. So if you wanted to, do you want to jump into financial independence and all of that?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I love what you said about making it automatic because um, you know just thinking about my husband's 401k when when he made adjustments to that he did it once and he literally never thought about it again
1: it was just there in the background doing its thing and it's absorbed by the taxes that you're probably not paying if it is a tax deferred account too so it probably felt like it was maybe what $20 $40 maybe $100 but like you said you you just get used to it it's like a frog in lukewarm water versus the boiling water. If you're slowly sort of turning up the heat, you don't notice it at all.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Such a great point. And then for me, like I never identified as a quote unquote numbers person. I try, not, I try not to tell myself that anymore because I don't want my brain to believe I'm not a numbers person. So I don't say that about myself anymore. But what made what made me able to get into tracking and creating a budget and all of that was not making it about the numbers themselves, but making it about what is this enabling me to do? What kind of life am I going to live when this is no longer an issue? And I know we've talked about that throughout the episode, but I think between adopting that mindset of like, what can money do for me? And then just make it as automatic as possible. I think that twofold approach there Mm -hmm. is, is going to take the listeners really, really far. So, yeah, I want to talk about investing and financial independence for a minute. And if you're just starting out with money and like you, you just need to get like tracking or a budget or even like making that first phone call or taking that first step, this might seem a little like, whoa, I'm not ready for this. But With these basic steps in place, you're closer than you think. And Darcy, I want to talk about this because you were actually the person who really helped me see that this was possible. I used to be terrified of investing. I thought it was for, you know, quote unquote, really smart money people like these men in suits on Wall Street. (laughs) But now I know that it's actually ridiculously easy and I know that my husband and I are going to be financially... Independent one day, you know, and it's not like my husband and I make uber duber boatloads of money, it's just we know how to make smart money decisions now. So, can you start off by just telling us what is financial independence? What does it mean if somebody's financially independent? Because it's not, oh, you're rich and you have a yacht, that's not what it means, (laughs) right? right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so financial independence is this idea of basically retirement, because that's the idea of retirement is so much more based on a number than it is about your age. And so there's a big movement happening right now called the Financial Independent Retire Early group, the FIRE movement, if you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. And this is a group of people that unfortunately do take the, the, mode of super aggressive savings, you know, saving 60, 70% of their income. So that way they could retire when they're 30. It's, um, it's just basically a way to be, I guess, a non-conformist in society, which I definitely don't, I think I sort of fit into that that bucket. Nobody's going to control me. Um, but it, it allowed you to basically live. So that way, You build up your investments and and financial independence could be investments. It could be that you're pursuing a passive rental income strategy. You could have a business that you're also trying to build too, that also you can move it into a passive stream of income for you. But the idea is that you essentially build up this nest egg, build up your income and that it offsets your need to work. What most people think of as a traditional job, so a corporate job. Um, So a really good example is, is that if your monthly expenses are about $40,000 a year, so just your expenses, not your income. If you were to get rid of your debt and just have your, your basic day to day, I need food, I need gas to get, you know, to and from um, maybe you have a rent or mortgage payment thrown in there. health insurance obviously is a huge one. But if let's say your expenses were about 40 K a year, you would probably want to have, and I know this sounds like a very, very large number, but I'm going to break it down a little bit more for you. You need about a million dollars in either investable assets or to be bringing in rental income of about $40,000 a year in order to be financially independent in that traditional sense. And like I said, there's a big group of people. This movement's really catching on, especially with the millennials, Gen Xers of how can I just basically design the lifestyle that I really want that doesn't include me working a traditional nine to five job. And I usually tend to only use the word FI instead of the FIRE movement because I, and and I'll say this, like when I was pursuing FIRE and I was one of those super aggressive people that was saving, you know, 60, 70% of our income and just trying to keep our expenses low. While we were pursuing that, my idea was that we were gonna retire and we were gonna sit on the couch for the rest of our lives and eat, you know, cover your ears, because I know that this is mind speak, but you know, that we were gonna eat like Doritos and and Twinkies and stuff for the rest of our life and sit on the couch. Like that's literally what I designed our finances off of. And one of the things that I've learned throughout this is that it's so much more about the work that you really, really love then it is about hitting that number. And one of the ways that I always talk to my clients about hitting FI is that work actually makes you really happy if you're doing the right work. And with my husband, for example, he was working his, his corporate job he was making a lot of money. Um, it was about, it was about 200. I'll just tell you it was $200,000 at the time he had just gotten promoted In his job, I was a stay-at-home mom after leaving my own corporate career at a large bank, and he was becoming more and more every day like the person that I didn't recognize, the person that I had married, because his job was really wearing into him. He had an opportunity to do one thing, and it kind of led onto another and another, and he found out that he really wanted to get into teaching and using his corporate experience to work with students and be a professor. Because we were FI, and and I knew my numbers, (laughs) I knew the tracking, I knew exactly how much we needed, he was able to leave his corporate job. Um, And we just sort of managed to move a few things around for him to take the 75% pay cut, which looked incredibly risky to everyone else around us, like who leaves a job, who leaves at the height of or just where his career was really starting to take off, where he could have been director, he could have done all these other things. He could have been chief marketing officer somewhere. And he walked away from all of it because we had the money to do so. And he could do something that really livened him and, and made him feel like um, I don't know, he just became the person that I had married again, as weird as that sounds. And mm. and that sounds like a very I don't know. I, I, I know that our story is a little bit of an extreme story because we just kind of kept living like pretty, like we were still in debt, I guess. And we just used that money to invest throughout those years. But for for what I was telling my clients when I'm working with them, first of all, I say, like, how do you feel about your job? <laughs> That's like the first <laughs> thing I need to know. <laughs> um, because I can put together a financial plan that has a lot of commas in it for you depending on how long you want to work. And one of the easy examples to think about financial independence is for a lot of people, let's say you have $1,000 in debt payments right now, which I think, don't you think that's pretty easy to hit between maybe a student loan, a car payment, maybe a credit card or two with those minimum payments around there. I think $1,000 is- Oh,
0: easily, if not $1,500, mean, dollars mean, $1,000 is lowballing it, but let's do that because it's a nice, easy round number. It
1: is, it is. So the average- household median income in this country, according to a recent study, is about $63,000. And that does vary a little bit depending on, are we talking about the West Coast or the New York area? But let's just go with the 63 across the US. With those $1,000 payments that you are continually to making, if you simply just got out of debt, let's say it took you five years to get out of debt, you could continue and then you use that thousand dollars and invested that thousand dollars for, say, the next 20, 25 years, you would be a millionaire based off of that one thing. That sounds really easy, right? Like, I want to say that that seems pretty doable. Yeah. And it was when you started sharing data with this data like
0: this with me that it was like, wait, I could be a millionaire.
1: What? What? I proved it almost for every single one of my clients. I don't care where their situation is today. The only thing that really counted is that we actually get going to see the debt slowly going away in their investing and they're, you know, doing those things with their, with their income. But if I were to flip that around Holly and say, I want you to save 20% of your income. Like, that sounds scary. Right? Yeah. Do you know what 12,000 divided by 63 is? 12,000 divided by 63,000. Hmm. It's like 19-ish, 20%.
0: Yeah, so it's all about um, and I know now that twenty percent saving twenty percent of the income, that doesn't sound scary to me. But if right. you if you had told Other me people? this mm-hmm. before, you know, I got on my FI journey too, I would have been like, Oh, oh, only <laughs> like really super rich people can do that. But if you say save, you know, pay off the debt. So you're no longer hucking away a thousand dollars and it might take you five years, and then you can start investing that money, whether it's low cost index funds or real estate or whatever it is. Mm-hmm that sounds doable. And then right? you're telling me that I can be a millionaire if I do this?
1: Yeah. And for a lot of my clients, what we work out, if, if they already own homes, they'll also have a paid off house at that time too through just you know throwing a few extra dollars towards the mortgage. So I would say like without even really trying to get out of debt, just turn around and put that thousand dollars away into investments, then it just gets you to where you really want to go. You can obviously speed it up like we did mm-hmm. or a lot of things that you could do. But I, I found for some of my clients, and what's really been really insightful to me is that I would say we even did it backwards. I, I think that there's a lot to be said for finding, what sounds so cliche, finding work that you love and then figuring out how to make money off of that and then investing that money will get you on a much happier path towards FI than the one that we did where we just sort of like, you know, just kind of grunted it out to get the investments going to be able to hit FI. Yeah. So much yeah. better to, to be in something that you love while you're still pursuing the FI journey. And I remember telling um, one of my clients several months ago about like, yeah, you'll be able to save about 30 K a year. And he nearly passed out when I told him that he could, um, you know, hit the, that he could be a millionaire, by whatever he was doing. And he, he freaked out at the $30,000. And I said, wait a minute, like how much are you putting towards your debt payments right now? And he said, oh, it was, you know, $3,000 or whatever and i said well what do you think that is times 12 and he was like oh so i i just think if we're able to like get out of debt slowly make the progress those financial habits they seem really really small but they add up over time
0: they really do that compound effect and then just like you shared with your client the 30k versus the the 3k a month it's all about what reframes what what Mm -hmm. reframes can you make? What perspective shifts can you make? You know, that 20% versus the 1000. And, um, this stuff is a lot easier, just like, um, you know, money and health are so intertwined. I always tell people health is a lot easier than quote unquote, they want us to believe Mm -hmm. (laughs) money is a (laughs) lot working on that (laughs) money is a lot easier than quote unquote, they want us to believe. and, you know, if you can just start to get these things in order and just get the ball rolling with those baby steps, it's amazing. It's
1: amazing yeah. And give your yourself time.
0: Yeah. Give yourself time. It's amazing. You know, give yourself time, but
1: it's also amazing how quickly things can change. Yeah. And when I look at my own financial journey, like, you know, I can, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I can look back and see all the mistakes that I made along the way. But when I think about the financial habits and the things that really started to shape the person who became the investor, it was through a series of years. First, I just said no more credit card debt. And I just never went back to ever paying interest on that. I signed up for my 401k just to get the employer match. From there, it was just paying a little bit more attention to our income versus expenses and just sending what extra money we had towards our debt payoff really was my debt. Payoff. <laughs> Let's be honest, mm-hmm. my student <laughs> loans and my car loan. Um, but all of those things and just keeping that mentality of, okay, the money that I was using for my debt payoff, I'm just going to turn around and invest that. Like there was nothing that we did that was so crazy. I mean, I think we did have um, slightly bigger numbers, but we have very, very many friends. And I, I really want to emphasize that, that are struggling that make this, that we're making the same incomes that we were at the exact same time. And they had a difficult time paying some of their bills. So we were always very, very purposeful about the budgeting and the tracking and all of these very basic elements of finances that when I, like, when I talk about the habits, it's just knowing your numbers, having money to hopefully that you're able to do something intentional with like save or budgeting, investing, or sorry, save budget, um, pay down debt. So that way you can just get ahead. And it looks like you're not making any progress. I think a lot like health, right? You start to make the changes and you're like, I don't see anything. And that's when people tend to drop off. It does take a few months for you to maybe say, oh yeah, I can pay off that really small you know Amazon credit card that's been lingering around. you pay that off and then I think that motivation gives you more motivation. And so my clients that have been with me the longest, they have they're like getting out of debt now they're just they're so hungry for moving on to the next chapter because they've kind of bit into, this idea of i've got the financial health i know what to do this is also crystal clear and now i'm going to go on and invest and and i i am going to be building wealth you know ah uh,
0: that's that's so exciting and yeah what you just said about not giving up in the beginning i see people do this with their health goals all the time well like i've been i've been nailing this for a week and <laughs> my body and my energy and my life hasn't transformed so i must be doing this wrong <laughs> So I'm just gonna give up
1: and go back to where I was. No, exactly. I'm I'm so guilty of that. Totally guilty.
0: <laughs> I think we're all guilty of it in some way or another. I've definitely um, you know, met some challenges in my life where I want I wanted to be the pro in a week and it didn't happen and I got all humbug about it, but but it's like you might know the name of this curve that I'm talking about, but it's, it's that compound effect where it's like no results, no results, no results, a few results. And then it's like massive results. And that curve like goes on a rapid upswing. Do you know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Mm. Laffer
1: curve sticks out to me, but that might not be
0: right. It probably is. That sounds fancy and like it's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's from economics. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love it. So speaking of these attitudes and these mindsets and you know, our, our tendencies to sometimes give up on ourselves if we're not seeing results, I think that just like when we're trying to eat better, people worry about deprivation. Oh, if I go on a budget, I'm going to feel so deprived and it's going to be so hard and I'm going to feel so confined. What perspectives or reframes do you have around that thought?
1: First of all, I don't know who in the world started talking about budget and deprivation in the exact same sentence. It just sounds so, so different for me. Uh, but no, I totally know that that is a common, common thought around, and it actually stops people from moving ahead with their finances because they think, oh, I've got to, I've got to be that frugal person. I've got to clip coupons and, and I'm never going to see any of my friends again. <laughs> what I would say is that it's true yeah. um, what I would say for my clients. And, and again, I have clients that they're really creative. They just want to like be right with their finances, you know, the whole financial wellness, but they want to still live their lives. They, we've set up budgets starting with tracking, understanding where they could put, you know, potentially spend all of their money within a given month or within a given year. And we don't really change their numbers at all unless they feel like it's not in line with their values or where they want to go. And so that doesn't really feel like deprivation to me because they're still going on vacation. They're still going out to eat. They just can't do it all at the same time. And so for a lot of them, they've either just said, oh yeah, like I am wasting a bit more money on my grocery bill only because I'm throwing out or I have waste at the end of the month. So let me work on that. Um, they are, you know, just thinking about what do I really value more and how can I put a few more dollars towards that? And I would say all of them would, a lot of my clients would say, I don't want to say all of them. (laughs) I would say a lot of my clients feel like they, their life is still continuing on. They're still spending the same They're just being a little bit more intentional about when they are spending, or maybe instead of spending a bunch of money on clothes, they're maybe getting one piece that's a little bit more money, but they love it. And and it's just helping so much with them feeling not, you know, like we talked about, they're in control. They don't have the stress, but they know that they have the money set aside for these things that they even previously thought were super important. And they could go out and spend money because the money is there. They just choose not to it's It's such a different lifestyle when you think about budgeting as planning, and you're just planning to spend, but just making sure that it is being intentional for the life that you want to live.
0: Ah, uh, I like the word "spend plan" better than budget, because budget, I think, just with all the connotations and the stories we have, budget feels like budget feels like diet, whereas spend plan feels more like meal plan.
1: I don't know. Yeah. 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 And it, but like what happens when you meal plan, like in the weeks that you really meal plan and you feel like you've just really nailed it, you feel like, Oh, I don't have to think about that anymore. Even if you just write down what you think you're going to eat, whether you follow through on that or not, having that down on paper immediately just makes all of those thoughts about what am I going to eat? What's, what time is it? You know, should we go out? Should we do this? It, it all goes away. And I would say the exact same thing with a spending plan too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it just takes away the mental chatter, the worry. It just frees up that part of your brain that you would have spent worrying about, Oh dang it. Did I, did I thaw the protein? You know, when do I need to have dinner ready? Uh, screw it. Let's just go out to dinner. It takes all that chatter away so that you can focus on what you really want and you know, just like, just like you said, we can build fun, we can build joy, we can build those indulgent experiences into our spending plan. It's not that like if you go on a budget, you can never have fun again.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. I, I just I wish I knew this person who started to create this association with budget and that deprivation. we, we got to find um, them. <laughs> because you know what that does is that holds people back from really living the life that they really want from because they get so discouraged about even starting with getting on a budget or tracking or just getting ahead financially and you need money for the other things that the things that really really speak to your soul you sometimes need money for that you, you definitely mean, leave do your yeah. job leave leave the toxic work culture that you're in yeah,
0: yeah, it's just it's a ticket to freedom. It's a ticket to freedom and you have to have um, awareness. you have to have your head out of the sand. You got to make a plan in order to harness that freedom. And the message that I just want everybody to take away today is that this can be easy if you just get rolling with it. There might be a few tears shed at first. It always hurts to pull your head out of the sand, but once you do, man, you can breathe again and you can create an intentional life
1: hmm Yeah. Totally yeah. agree.
0: Yeah. Darcy, thank you so much for coming on the show today, sharing your wisdom, your insights, your expertise, um, your message that you have around money just being a tool to create an amazing life. And I know my listeners are going to want to connect with you and I encourage them to connect with you because if you need help in this area, Darcy is your girl, and she's not only amazing with money, but she's just one of the most um, down-to-earth, caring, real people that I know. So Darcy, if people want to connect
1: with you, where can they find you? Thank you. Um, I'm basically at Green Bites Project on every platform that you can think of. I do have additional YouTube videos, but most of the time I'm on Instagram at Green Bites Project.
0: Yes, and I know that's my main hub too. So everybody go give Darcy a follow on Instagram at Green Bites Project. We will link it up in the show notes. And do you have any, um, is there anything coming up in your business with your coaching or any programs that you have or any free downloads that might be of
1: interest to people? Yeah, I have a couple things. One, for the listeners of this podcast, if you head on over to greenbitesproject.com forward slash MindSpeak, I'll have a special document there for you to kind of get a little bit more familiar with your numbers. Additionally, a program that I'm really excited about launching in January is a course called Grow Financially Well. And this is geared towards women that are interested in getting ahead with their money. It's going to be a community-minded finance group, which I know sounds a little bit like, a, I don't know, an oxymoron of having community and finance together, but it's going to be the everything that you need to start off with your um, mindset, putting together a really good, realistic budget for your life, getting a spending plan and getting more and more comfortable um, about investing. So that way you can feel like you have the tools to be able to go out and put those financial habits to good use. It's going to be a multi-month course that we're we're going to have. And I'm super excited about doing that. So um, it should be a lot of fun. That sounds so exciting. Do you know the launch day in January? It's probably going to be mid-January. Um, I'm still working on a few pieces associated with it, but I'm thinking it's going to start January 13th.
0: Oh, that is so so exciting um, well we'll link all this up in the show notes remember greenbitesproject.com forward slash mind speak to get your free download from Darcy and just want to thank you again so much for sharing your time with us and yeah just sending sending so much love to you Darcy thank you so much thank you so much for having me it's been a ball that's it for this week. You can find Darcy over on Instagram at Green Bites Project. You can find me on Instagram at Holly Fisher Higgins. If you are curious about anything we talked about today, hit up the show notes. You can learn more about Darcy's incredible course, Grow Financially Well. That's linked up in the show notes. And if you are interested in my nutrition and mindset program, that's linked up in the show notes as well. Remember... You don't have to do all of this at once. You don't have to change your entire life at once. It starts with focused and consistent action in one area of your life. So hopefully, if you're looking to make changes in these areas of your life, we've given you some great tips to get started. It starts with one small change, one small decision at a time. And I know you can do it. So until next time, go believe in you. I do.